0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zoo Pans, where once again, their new fall deli lineup includes roasted parsnips and carrots, pumpkin salad, sweet potato, bacon and feta salad, cheesy cauliflower. Oh, that sounds so good. Hearty winter grain, just to name a few. And it's easy for you to do when you go into any Zoo Pans. You can check out their deli and they'll give you samples if
1: you ask. Speaking of samples, mm-hmm. they just had this past Saturday... A sampling of their Thanksgiving dinner and everything that they're going to be offered there. And I believe they'll have all the side dishes there. Um, But, man, I I had lunch. I had the whole thing. I had planned to go to it, and then my daughter's dance schedules got a little
0: wacky. But, Chris, this is so here are the notes for today's show. Yeah. On the other side is my uh, Zupan's—it's their their Thanksgiving menu— because this is what we did last year. We were going to family. We weren't going to cook, so we stopped by Zupan's. We pre-ordered it, and they gave us all of our sides.
1: Yeah, so the, the uh, stuffing was fantastic. I have some green beans in my refrigerator. I tried some barrel-aged maple syrup, Oh, which was from How Woodinville, was Washington. It was delicious. Mm. I got a little small little bottle of that, um, and they had cheeses and everything, and those are all going to be available For purchase to make your Thanksgiving a little easier and more delicious.
0: Yeah, they'll do fully cooked meals. If you don't want to do anything, they can do that. Or if you just want to kind of accent what you've already got going on. Which is, I think, what we're going to end up doing. That's what we're going to end up
1: doing. So, right. And and you also may have some wine going on. Oh, yeah. And there's Cellar Z mm-hmm. uh, at both Burnside and Lake Grove Zoopans have some of the, a great selection for holidays to entertain friends.
0: It's very easy to find all the information on all of this online at ZooPans.com.
1: And if you want to plan something for the holidays, a private room.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a place you can do it, too. ZooPans.com. And again, there are three locations. Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove. All right, it's time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast, and uh, this is one of those rare times, Chris. Uh, Chris Angeles, by the way, Portland Food Adventures. Hi there. I'm Court Johnson. Uh, this is one of those rare times where we are quite literally recording this and pushing it out just like hours later.
1: Because it's newsworthy. Yeah. Newsworthy on the, in the restaurant world here in Portland. We're never going to compete with Eater or, or the Oregonian or Portland Monthly, but... Uh, But we have an opportunity to go a little deeper, yeah, on right at the fork, Mm -hmm. and in this case, just a a privilege to have Greg Denton in, our current best chef Northwest James Beard Award winner in Portland, um, who owns Ox and Super Bite, along with his uh, dear wife Gabby, Mm -hmm. and um, and he's talking about closing Super Bite and opening. Bistro Agnes in, I still got that Italian thing going on, Bistro, I rolled the R. Yeah, no, there's That's no rolling French. in the French. You yeah. got to kind of just drop the R. Exactly. So uh, I'm just lingually confused.
0: <laughs> I, we all are. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's interesting because when this news came out, when uh, I think Eater had it first, or I, I can't remember who who announced it first, but um a lot of people are like wait, wait a minute i i've gone i've gone to superbite it's always seemed busy
1: what's the deal right a- and uh, greg explained it all yeah we get the deal yeah and not only that it's t- on the podcast we try we you know try but we end up having light conversations here mm-hmm. it never gets light with greg because he's such a thoughtful guy and puts so much thought into his restaurants and it's usually just we're sitting here gripped listening to how he looks at the business and these are important restaurants in our world, and it's uh, I find it fascinating to hear about some of the uh, thought that goes into what they're doing and what they plan on doing.
0: Yeah, and, and, and in terms of thought, it's not just the food that he's presenting, but where you're sitting, how the lighting is, what the hallway looks like. It's fascinating.
1: But so the crux of the closing of Super Bite has nothing to do with dinner service. There are some other factors, yeah, and you need to listen to hear why. I'll also suggest that as part of this, we always suggest you go back in the archives, Yep. but uh, episode number 75 is Greg about a year and a half ago before Superbyte was to open when he was nominated for a James Beard as well in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the day he heard about that nomination, I suggest going back and finding that. In the archives, and while you're at it, why don't you give us a rating? Yeah, and a review, and a review. Yeah, those help other people find the podcast. Yeah, we would appreciate that.
0: So here it is, our interview from just moments ago with Greg Dent. <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: a big week. You, it was you a huge mentioned that. That it was because I said, "Oh, that's a big." month and you said no this is a big week or day but yeah no it's been
2: it's been cool it's uh we're it's that that there was so much i don't know not insecurity but so much like we couldn't we weren't sure what was going to happen
1: and so, you didn't really know when super bite was going to open yeah we had no time. idea like
2: we just knew that we wanted to do this Um i'm sorry i'm gonna grab my coffee real quick
1: I'll grab it. Go okay. cool,
2: cool. Thank you. Um Yeah, it was just, you know, it's all a you know, it was all it was a guess. It wasn't a guess, but it was just like we really wanted to do a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. At the same time. Well, if you go back that episode is number seventy five, by the way, for anybody who wants to go back and listen to Greg talk about uh right before Superbite opened. I think it was like Cask was opening that week. Yep. And also you had that day learned that you were nominated for Mm. Best Chef Northwest. Yeah. Which I think is really nice to revisit that now because now you've gone through that. Neither you nor Justin won that year, right? You were talking, you were so gracious in saying that you didn't come out and say you thought you should win. You said Justin should win that. Yeah. That year. And now here we are. Um, what a year and a half! Year and a half. Year actually, a half like... you
2: know, and it's funny because you, you know, you mentioned the dogs too. It's like Gabby didn't actually go to that James Beard Award because um, our dog Mabel had gotten diagnosed with um, lymphoma, mm. so she had stayed back with them, and she she needed a surgery and stuff like that. So she actually didn't even go with me to the James Beard Award. So. We were kinda of hoping we didn't win that year because Gabby wasn't there. Right. Well, that's a bittersweet thing
1: to be thinking about. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's well, if we win it's okay, but we would rather wait. I'd did rather we, well not, not just community?
2: rather wait, but it was just it w- I knew the experience was gonna be uh so much better with Gabby.
1: Right. There. Not So at you home. planned to just get nominated the next year and take it. That we year. actually You'd planned to win the next year. It was yes. guaranteed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now none,
2: none of that stuff is But was it ever worked out and you
1: both got to go. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it was amazing. It was an awesome experience. It was a little weird because there was... They never said our name because they, like... Something happened, which was weird because we're just, like,
1: waiting for them to read it. So they just did the restaurant name? Was that... No, the lady up there tried to pull a La La
2: Land joke and like failed what? miserably. What did she say? Um, She mistimed the, like la la land and like the name like everyone's like what's going on and then our name popped up and nothing, nobody but said did, anything what was the la
1: la land <laughs> joke what
2: was it i there wasn't really a joke it was do you do you know what happened with the la la land and the academy awards like no la, so, almost so la to la, admit that i don't like a year or whatever ago right la la land was winning everything and then they announced la la land it was uh warren beatty and uh I forget somebody else, right? And they said La La Land, and they came up in it. Then they're like, "No, it's oh, moon, I remember moonlight oh, or yeah, whatever." No, no, I remember. So that. she tried to pull a La La Land joke, and it just it it was like
1: oh, so you you had to
2: we got to deal this with event that event
1: that you that was going to be the biggest moment of your lives it was kind of ruined some with a, woman that well, you don't know, decided to yeah. fuck with it. Did they ever say your names? I no. would think the the tough part would be they never Gabby's said Gabby's name, you know, because that's yeah. always. <laughs>
2: They never said it but the but the um visual the visual popped up and we just freaked out. It was amazing. Wow. It was truly amazing. It was uh, especially for Portland, it's kind of a once in a lifetime thing because if you're in New York or you're in big other big markets, you have those opportunities to potentially do like best chef Northwest and or I'm sorry, best out most, you know, outstanding restaurant in the nation, right. most outstanding chef in the nation. Very few, you know, that's usually kind of L.A. and New York and Chicago. That's because they, they have so many awards. Right. So they have so many people to vote. And then.
1: they kind of win by default because it's like we got, we can't give it to these six restaurants. There's just way so more exposure. There's York. just more
2: exposure, you know, right. and and you got to, it's crazy. That list, like people who haven't gotten that list are like giant names. Right. You know, like to make that, I think Vitali made the long list of that one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that's why like someone like Gabe Rucker is so amazing in the sense that he won the rising best Star rising star and the best chef Northwest. Like to have two.
1: Right. It's crazy. Do you think maybe someday maybe. either you or Gabe can, can take oh, the big one?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe Gabe, you know, maybe Gabe, he's got, he's got the most, you know, he's consistently, um, considered the best restaurant in Portland consistently more than any other restaurant
1: yeah 10 years now yeah i
2: mean it's he's kind of been flying high but he just does against
1: him at some point um i I guess not gabe rucker yeah that's true he's a goddamn iron man right right but at some point i would think that a beard committee might say well they've been talking about it so long we have to usually aren't they looking for like the next new thing the, the next big thing
2: i think everyone's always looking for the next new thing but the when it comes to the next new thing, it's like, it, it has to, like a great, a great example is kind of like Peter Cho's, uh, Han Oak, you know, like that guy is like, it seems to me like every time I talk to him, it's almost like he wants to close more hours or is like, is like reluctant. He's the reluctant champion, you know, he's the reluctant genius in the sense that he just doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he, he's, he's, he lives in the, his restaurant, his, his well, patio he's, he's is, is, is his, his yard. He's oh, look, oh, he's, he's not, a, not looking to be, no, he's not look, best chef. yeah, but the thing is that people eat it up in the right. sense of, and I don't think it's a ploy and I don't think it's a PR move, but no, it's genuine. absolutely the best PR move to just be like, no, no, I, like, I can't believe this is all happening, you know, and it, it, it just continues to happen. I mean, he's, I don't think anybody else has made so many nationalists right now i mean in the last year in the last year i mean he he got food and wine best new chef he got um i mean he got a bon appetit he was in that mix for best i don't know which one he got but he also got several restaurant of the year awards i mean it's like he's
1: just he's and I, he doesn't consider himself a restaurant. He was on this podcast yeah. and said it's not really a restaurant. I feel like
2: he's he's on the short list of probably James Beard at some point in time in the next couple of years. I think Katie uh, um from Cocaine is going to be mm-hmm. um continuing to push that um too. Um, and I know for us, like it was it was kind of important for us to win this last year because each year more anxiety happens right. That's each what, year that's kind you of think, the point I was making with yeah. Gabriel
1: was like at some point, it, it uh, you well know, you, at some point but you
2: you always have confidence that you think you're gonna get into it but you don't want to be a situation where you feel like you're just in there because you've been there before mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you you win it if you're gonna win it at a, on a high note and i feel like you know we're still kind of riding high for just in general i mean ox is five years old and superbite is almost two and um and won't won't actually turn to, but we're excited about Bistro Agnes going into that space. And, you know, when we're very, you know, we're really happy with how everything has gone. And the book is done. You know, we don't have that <laughs> anymore to worry about. And and, and now you and have three dogs. You have three dogs. You have every night's a three-dog night. Every night is a three-dog night. Yeah, we uh, we just adopted a puppy named Frank, who's a part Malamute and part English Mastiff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there?
1: the others are... Yeah, you've been a mastiff. Oh, yeah. You've been mastiff owners. Well, we, we
2: got a, we, we just got a, we got a pit mix, um, from Tillamook Animal Shelter, mm-hmm. um, to, um, named Chad, mm-hmm. uh, named after my brother. Um, uh, we, uh, we got him in June and unfortunately we just found out that he has stage two kidney failure. Oh. So we're a little, you know, with, with some medication and some, uh, some medication and some uh, uh, diet, and you know, focus on that. We'll be able to, you know, he'll be able to, you know, live probably a solid year, but it's probably not going to be much more than that. Um, so that's a, you know, we just found that out yesterday. So that oh, kind of stinks. I'm um, sorry.
1: That's the saddest thing and ever. And then,
2: and then our big boy, Nico, who's hung in there, he had a last year, uh, you know, it's interesting because it's like Superbite was such a roller coaster. And, um, cause we had the book, it was a new concept. We had all these new things that we were trying to do, trying to make it a one house system, trying to get people to eat a little less food and not take home so much food and try to up the bites and try to give control of the menu kind of to the kitchen and you know, all these things that we were in, you know, really challenging. Ambitious. I think it's done very well. I've,
1: uh, yeah. It's I, I, the I, one restaurant I can say that I went back to more than almost anywhere else in oh, town.
2: Thank you. I, we appreciate it. And we also feel like it's it's also doing very well. It's, it's besides last November, uh, which was tough because of the election. There was riots downtown. That kind of started it all. Mm-hmm. And then there was a really tough winter for everybody. The, it seemed like snow was... Yeah. constantly Not making f- making a reservation for Friday and Saturday. Uh, that's what I like to say, because it was, it was like, you know, you just look at the weather, it's like, oh, it's good on Monday, but get ready for ice and snow on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you're just, then that just, everyone's done. And uh, so that happened and, and then it was just, you know, kind of getting our groove back. And then we did, um you know, March, we kind of, that kind of took off when we did the uh, Portland dining month that people really Jumped on that, and we saw how much they really appreciated the tasting menu aspect of it, and we were like, oh, wow. People, like, that's a good key. That's a good way to, like, unconfuse people when they look at this menu. Say, hey, let's just do a tasting menu, and we started
1: it then. What was confusing about it? Or what What would you, what, well, what are you alluding to? Because I don't find it very... Confused? It's left well, side, left side or light bites, right side are, uh, are heavier, dish, or heavier entres. bites.
2: But I think the, the thing was people just didn't understand the price to the size. And when people see a low price, they, I don't think they, I don't think they know exactly what that size is going to be. So either they have high expectations or low expectations, they just don't. And so when you have either one of those, you're usually not right on either side once the table hits the the plate hits the table. So he, to me, it was um, you know, I think that at times people would order a bite like an appetizer, and then they would order an something that was like more of an entree. But the problem was was that you had to wait for that entree because that bite went away in 12 seconds or right. 15 seconds. And then you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs until we cook your meat that right. or whatever you ordered. But and the so idea
1: think, your idea was to order more than one bite. So it they, was. So I guess that's what you're saying. They thought of it as an appetizer. Yeah. And it was really just a bite. Order a couple of those and it's yeah. tough. You you don't want your staff to be they don't want to feel like they're selling too much. Well, they
2: want to sell it. And that's the thing, is that you don't wanna you don't wanna feel like you're pushing people. Um And that's why, one of the reasons why we did the tasting menu, because we felt like it was, um, it kind of guided people. It Mm kind of was like, oh, okay, I get this. You know, this is, this is, this is how I'm going to enjoy this experience. And people, you know, we still have it on the menu and, and, you know, we've, we've altered the menu, you know, we've kind of moved away from an entire left side of being bites, you know, small bites. And now we have five solid small bites at some come in threes and twos and um but at the end of the day we started looking at it and it was, started to develop into you know a you know it kind of had that original because at the end of the day um superbite was always a little bistro at heart because when we went to paris to kind of research uh the neo bistros um uh there you know, those are, you know, those are basically Michelin-starred style food experiences that have been broken down to like not even consider Michelin, just like we're just doing this really good food in this really basic setting. And that really inspired us. But every time we go to France or anytime we go to a new place, bistros are absolutely, French bistros are absolutely the thing we go to more than anything else in the world. Um, When we eat the best souffle or do we eat the best um sautéed foie gras with grapes and a duck sauce or um cassoulet uh you know we search those things out and we tried it we tried it and it's amazing because you get these things prepared differently but at the heart of it they're all really basic and usually very delicious you know I say uh in Seattle for us it's like La Pichet uh, piche or La Pichet La Pichet um we we love you know every time we go to Seattle I feel like it's like that's the place that we try to hit and we love the fact that it's for lunch too mm-hmm. so that like maybe we'll hit that on the way out of town or something like that before we go um and that's kind of the the heart of it is what we want to offer to the downtown clientele is that you know we see what's happening downtown and the I this kind of stemmed from basically like, hey, what's oh, so we're gonna open? We we need to open for lunch. Not that we need to, but we're just if we're not open for lunch, downtown it makes it's, sense. It's downtown. Yeah. You know, there's so many people walking around. You there's at times you're like looking at Heart, our neighbor. <laughs> they're just like packed mm-hmm. with people trying to get like these sandwiches that they make. And then of course we'll take any runoff from a from Tasty and Alder. And Lardo, you know, both, and, and both of and them are luncher. Yeah, they're very full. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, uh, you know, so that, so then, then the idea is like, well, what's, what's a super bite lunch, right? You know, well, your name's super bite. So you're already starting at a really high level of like, what's, what's going to be the super sandwich, you know, what's going to be the super pasta, what's going to be the super soup, you know, and it, it was, it, it just ran, it just, we, that's when we realized that it just wasn't exactly what it was when we originally started
1: and uh, when did you come to that how did how and when did you come to that realization how was that conversation was it something you were over a long period of time just having this god let's figure it's a long going on
2: yeah it's a long period of time it's a long it's it starts with you know it starts with little conversations and then you try to figure out and you try to adjust um And then you're like, wow, we're, we're doing a great job. But then you see things like, you see things like lunch and you're like, okay, well, how do we, how do we jump on that? Or or happy hour or the burger or, you know, like we put a burger on the menu. You know, one of the reasons why I put a burger on the menu was we looked at, um, our menu objectively and we said, okay, if you have four people walking by this restaurant and there's not a burger on the menu. Probably one of those four people will be like, uh, there's not a burger on the menu and maybe walk away. Cause as a restaurant owner, you're always trying to figure out like, okay, how can I make it just a little bit more appealing? Cause if you can get a if you can get that one person to buy in, at least they have a burger. Then you try to, then you're like, then you have the confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to sell them, not sell them, but like you're going to be able to give them a better experience and, just a burger they're gonna be like wow this was better it's kind of like at ox people come in for the steak but they leave and they go wow those vegetables exactly. and now that fish and and because at the end of the day we're you know we try to be super creative and we try to and we try to train really well and we try to offer a, a full dining experience no matter
1: what we're doing i love the people at ox would say i've heard this i don't really like clam chowder it's <laughs> like just just listen do this yeah i don't know if we went over the
2: i don't know if we went over the last time but it's always funny when uh someone comes into ox who's from the east coast uh like boston or uh new england area and they'll say if i can get uh, yeah that's a good chowder then i'm happy i'll very rarely get that's the best chowder because they just that's like turning um, against that's like saying like, i don't like the red sox yeah exactly <laughs> that's like it just they can't say it they can't say it but they right. can they can if you get a little bit of respect from that it, then you're then i'm happy um about that interaction
1: so well i yeah. find that fun but the thing i was thinking about when you were talking about Superbite, i think one of the reasons i went there quite a bit um mostly with other people and often with dates Mm -hmm. because i knew the menu well enough to say just let me and and i love when someone says you just order because i could take over you know not just one salmon crudo a couple of those couple of spaghettios and go from there to me it was easy to end up with someone on my end i'm not the chef but i'm just giving someone an experience that we could have gone anywhere to have them say, this was fantastic, it was great. And that menu to me was really easy to do that. Well, at the end of the day, that was
2: definitely one of the goals of that was to, for customers to create their own experience however it was, because Mm -hmm. it really was based in a lot of travel and a lot of experiences that we've had and a lot of ways we've eaten. And so you could go in there and you could go full on tasty menu, one small course at a time and just work your way through the entire menu. Or you could go in there, have a quick couple bites, have one other thing, get out, go to the show. Or you could go in there and you could just sit at the bar and have some drinking snacks. You know, it was really, it's really, however, or you could look, you know, make, make, make yourself look very impressive by knowing the menu and working your way through the menu and kind of, you know, impressing your day. You know, that's, that's what we wanted to offer people a way to cultivate their own experience. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons why, um, the tasting menu works really well because there are a lot of people out there that don't, that didn't, that that don't, that don't, that don't really, they don't completely, they aren't as, maybe as venturous, um, in, in food. And so, you know, and it's a, it's. It's a pretty, we think it's a fun name. We like the name. We've always liked the name. We thought it was fun, but it's a very polarizing name. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, everybody always would add an S to it or they call it small bites or, you know, things like that. It's, I, heard, I heard some it's, negative comments on it along the way. And yeah, like, of course. But it's, it's, I think, we think it's fun. I mean, I mean, think about some other names just in town. Uh, I won't. We won't say them, but I mean, there's some funny names in town which are really popular restaurants that we like. I think it. You know,
1: I think it stood out, and I'm not just I'm just blowing smoke up your ass because you're sitting here. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah, it's an interesting name. The word "super" in yeah. a restaurant, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, maybe it, yeah. uh, it it lived up to those <laughs> expectations for well, me. So,
2: and it still does. I mean, the fact is that we have a really great following down there. We are we're a pretty busy restaurant altogether. together. Um, you know, fries and Saturdays are really busy down there. And of course, during the week, we're doing, we do pretty well. Um, so for us, it was really important that this change, if we were going to change, happened at a time when uh, we had, um, that, that we had a, a bit more of a say, right? Like, let's make this change confidently, and let's make this while change while we're holding well we're, we're well not yeah, that too of course yeah. that too like but let's you know at the end of the day we just we really just want to give people really good food downtown or wherever we're at we just really want to make we want to fill a niche just as much as anything else as much as our ego wants us to like do our own thing it's really important that you look at the market and you say hey what is not being offered here? And funny enough, when we opened up Superbite, we thought this was going to be this kind of creative thing that not everybody else was going to be doing. And literally at the same time, we had all these other amazing restaurants, uh, Rue, Quantrell, uh, Dame. Uh,
1: oh, geez. We could just keep going. Yeah, I would going. like to be able to help you, but I'm just, I'm letting you do that.
2: But it's, it's like, Like these and all super high level and all really really good.
1: So you get. But you had to know that going in. You weren't going to be the only game in town. Well, kind of. Restaurants going like
2: not new restaurants, but really kind of that same neo bistro, really ingredient focused, creative, smaller plates at times. And that was you know I mean if you go to those restaurants, they're they're killing it Mm -hmm. with that style. And so. Not that we're, not that it's not a, com- a competition in that sense, but we, you know, when we first came to Portland, there was some restaurants here that we really enjoyed eating at that actually sold us on Portland. Uh, one was Kraft, um, which we love, um, Pascal Satone's old place because it was a beautiful little French bistro right near here. Mm-hmm. And um, then we had, um, I mean, Fenui. You know, I mean, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't quite a French bistro. So and like, I know you like the French. I love the French, which and, you don't find a lot of here. I mean, yeah. you found
1: it at Saint Jack, and
2: well, you found it at Saint Jack. Saint Jack is, but I think just calling Saint Jack a bistro or a bouchon is nice, and it's it's cute. But they're doing high level food, mm-hmm. and you and and yes, it's absolutely based in classic French preparations and stuff like that. But they're doing some really really at times there's some really amazing avant-garde food mm-hmm. that is, has a lot of thought behind it and a lot of, you know, inspiration. And at uh, same, I would say the same thing about Little Bird. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, their chicken fried cocovan is a great example. It's one of the best fried chicken, but it's also one of the best cocovan. It's like, it's kind of like a balance between the two
1: things. If we were taking an SAT test, it would be their cocovan and your clam chowder. No, <laughs> right. So it's not the traditional. It's not, it's the, not traditional, the traditional,
2: but but it's played off the traditional. But right. they also have some really amazing charcuterie there and and stuff like. that So it's all base. But for us, we really when it came to Bistro Agnes, first of all,
1: it for, um, was. Let's just explain because yeah. we haven't. I guess we can do that. We will have done that in the intro. But right. you're closing Superbite. Um And when's that going to happen?
2: Uh, the last day of service at Superbite will be New Year's Eve. Okay, that um, makes so sense. Call. We'll be taking reservations starting December first for New Year's Eve dinner. So make make right. those reservations.
1: And then Restaurant Agnes is going to open Bistro sh- Agnes. Bistro, I'm sorry, Bistro Agnes. Mm-hmm. It's going to open shortly thereafter.
2: Uh, Will sh- Will we plan on closing um, Super Bite for about two weeks, mm-hmm. um, and then we're going to be doing some press dinners and some uh, tasting uh, tastings. We think around the. Fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth. We would like to try to be open somewhere in the third week of uh, January.
1: Great. So before you go into that, I want to go back to where we were. What was the moment when you and Gabby? I assume it was the two of you. Mm-hmm. Said, "Okay, let's let's close that and open this."
2: Uh, again, I think it's it's not really a, a moment. But you so had to much. make a
1: decision. One well, one we, night, one day, you made that decision. Yeah,
2: one day we made the decision that it was. Well, you look at uh, so you know we opened up um we did a little pop-up at ox um this summer called oxbox mm-hmm. very successful people love sandwiches can you imagine that in Portland mm-hmm. people love sandwiches uh, and sitting outside and, and eating sitting them outside and eating them and it was a really good I mean albacore sandwich chorizo sandwich eggplant I mean it was just a really delicious thing and it was it was a great test to see okay well what what is their potential? Year? Yeah, we'll definitely open it again yeah. next year. Um, and so we were looking at what, how do, how does Superbite what, what's the future of Superbyte? Like what, let's look out five years. Let's look at, you know, cause that's what you do as a, as a, as a business person, you should be looking at least that far out. And we thought to ourselves, basically it was really when we were looking at lunch as a possibility and that we had known that the menu had already kind of changed into a little bit more of a traditional menu. And that was when we, that was when we were like, you know what, well, why don't we, it's not exactly what we wanted it to be, you know, now, like we, not that we didn't love it and not that we don't put all our heart into it, but the first conception of Superbite was really a one house system. I mean, the, the cooks were, I mean, we had a, a, giant staff because we wanted the cooks to do everything basically. We wanted them to start from the very beginning of inspiration when it came to the came to the food, all the way to serving the food. And so when we when that changed because, you know, when you're you know, tough winter days and tough winter months, you you know, labor's a killer you know, you have to look at numbers and be like, "Oof, you know, this is, we have to do something about it. And, you know, good thing we had uh, another restaurant that we could, you know, put some people at and some people had a different, another job and they left for that. And so we had started to figure out a new system around December and January and whatnot. Then we started to imp- implement happy hour and reservations and, tasting menu and those were all good business decisions but at the end of the day we really would have loved our original concept to have just been you know bonkers nuts did you not take
1: reservations in the beginning
2: well because we just used the we just used the ox model yeah we didn't take any reservations in the beginning that's
1: also another reason i've been to super bite quite a bit because i know i can yeah coming in from into town. But
2: it, it's a great it's a great proving ground. Why don't you take reservations? Because no matter how many reservations we have, we might have thirty seven on the books on Thursday night, and we'll do one hundred and ten. Like that's yes. how many people don't ta- make right. reservations. percent, yeah. Well, no, it's seventy percent. Thirty percent make reservations. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, thirty yeah, percent reservations. Yeah, so and which is great. I mean, we like the idea of operating like that it's 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 i'm not complaining but it is it kind of goes to the the idea of well why don't you take reservations at ox well that's one of those reasons is because we know that and, and we're very fortunate that we don't have to take reservations at ox and people um stand in line for it um but uh i think with all that being said it just we just didn't we didn't we didn't see super bite lunch as being impactful enough to the community that it would make that much of a difference. Um, Whether it be PR or whether it be um, something that we were passionate in, trying to figure out what, again, we're starting at the word cards, two blocks away. Yeah. You're starting at the, you're starting at like super, right? right. And now bite is the next word. So that sandwich better be, you know, making your mouth fucking going crazy. So
1: Agnes doesn't have as much pressure. Uh, we feel like Agnes
2: has a decent amount of pressure, but at the end of the day, we feel very confident in the sense of not cocky, but we feel confident in our skills when it comes to, um, French bistro cooking because we, you know, culinarily that's specifically, um, uh, I've been in that, and been in that arena, uh, quite a bit. You know, I've opened up, um, Bouchon in Yonville with Tom's Keller. Um, In Hawaii, we were sous chefs at a very French restaurant uh, called Girard's for a year and a half together. Um, When I was in Ohio, I worked for a a chef who was, uh, worked for Pierre Orsi and for Paul Bocuse, um, both sous chefs. I mean, I I grew up in French, uh, French, French The French cuisine has always been my base when it comes to what I've done since then um, and so I'm very confident in that sense and I like the idea of bringing back some of those not bringing back old school techniques but I find myself to not be as inspired with modern takes on things at times I don't I don't I don't like putting things on plates just because it's new or it's you know, and I like the idea of also teaching um my staff and my cooks true basic things. Like when you braise, you braise in liquid and not a bag at Bistro Agnes, right? Mm-hmm. Um which is not I'm not talking shit on putting things in bags and you know, sous them, you know, they are some amazing product out there, but it's, um, for me, there's smells and there's what happens when, even though that meat maybe isn't like pink all the way through, but there's a crust on the outside. There's a concentration of flavor. There's maybe a little bit of crust or there's a little bit of burnt. There's a little, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a, a pizza, that who gets the burnt bubble, exactly
1: right? Exactly what I was, that's where right? my mind was. And people you know, complain about that who aren't necessarily right. familiar with, hey, this is right. a style and it's actually, try it. Don't, it, don't look at it and go, ooh. I right. Don't...
2: And we like the idea of keeping things, you know, simple in the sense of, um, you know, ox for me was always something that I wanted to inspire people to cook, you know, with this, like take this, what you've eaten here, and then go and do something modern to it or do something that is more creative than maybe the steak. Um, But the combination of flavors that you had on your plate by you putting a little bit of the potato on there and then putting a little bit of carrot on there, now you have sweet, you have crunchy, you have, you know, like whatever it be, maybe... And then I also thought that, like I would like to bring that same concept into Bistro Agnes in that sense that when we do escargot, we really want it to be an absolutely delicious escargot. French onion soup, you know? I mean, like, is there anything better than French onion soup?
1: Uh, I think that's the thing I've ordered most in life, (laughs) and having lived in Portland, that stopped, because there aren't a lot of places to get a traditional great onion, French onion soup. Exactly. Are you going to, uh, what, what about the
2: one house model? Uh, we are still considering that in the sense of we like it. We do like the idea of our cooks getting out there, but we still haven't figured that quite out, quite out yet, or we haven't figured it all the way out yet. We, we want to stay open to it, but you know, it's at the end of the day, it might just become more traditional. It's interesting because
1: we've been talking about how to deal with the changing climate in wages and what's going on with a lot of people for a couple of years now. And no one has said, I've got this one is the one that works or this is the one I suggest that everybody should try. No one's arrived at the model yet that is going to be able to handle $15 an hour
2: I'd like to suggest a time machine model where
1: we all could go back to
2: 1985 and just <laughs> use that um you know not really there's um but it's <laughs> well
1: what, what what about 1985 made that <laughs> well
2: work? I don't know I mean there used to be just a there was no email and I'm always in 85 maybe not uh, a better year for me would have been like 90 96 97 uh, no
1: yelp is
2: no that? no yelp no well it, who cares about yelp but no yelp uh, but no no cell phones in the kitchen there was a kitchen phone that was the only way that you got a hold of anybody Oh, so this is the oh, uh, this, is this is like employees
1: the, keeping control yeah. of their time and their <laughs> yeah well, focus. well
2: but also just you know i think it was you know we built we've all benefited like it or not in a broken model for a really long time right. Tipping is kind of broken. Wage inequality is kind of broken. Kitchen, dishwashers, getting paid nothing. And now everyone's trying to fix it really quickly. And the fact is at the end of the day, it's so complicated to fix such a broken system. Um, Especially in a... I think one of the keys would be definitely a tip credit. I think that would help out a lot because I don't think there's any owner out there that is concerned about paying kitchen more like you can you can raise your prices up enough to pay the kitchen more the problem is is that when you're paying your front of the house the same wage as your back of the house or a a high minimum wage that really does affect the bottom line in 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 a very serious dramatic way where forget about making profit i mean you just don't make profit at all like you don't there's you don't get paid and at the end of the day, if you're an owner who doesn't get paid, it's it's yeah, you, right. you know you can't you can't live so yourself. So why does
1: why does no tipping in Europe work? And I then hear it's that. Tried here, I hear that
2: that's changing too. I think I feel like because yeah, of the American the uh, the American influence of in Europe is uh, really pushed them to a lot of places expect to get tipped now um, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think there has, there It's just, I, I don't, I can't speak to it. I don't know what that model is. And for us, I think it's going to be a, it's got to be some sort of combination. I mean, prices are, at the end of the day, prices just have to go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you pay people more money and we have no relief on our side, whether it be tax credit, whether it be tip credit, whether it be, merchandise uh, you merchandise have to sell, you have to or something yeah Easter agnes hats uh, uh, yeah whether whatever it is if there's no relief it's you know i mean prices are just going to go
1: up but they have been going up I, i've noticed that you know sandwiches mm. are now 12 13 no dollars. no but
2: when you when you're paying 18 dollars for a sandwich that's when you're going to really feel it right right right. Well, and and I've that's what and that's what your sandwich probably actually needs to be if you want to pay, pay everybody $15, and I'm not talking sandwiches so much because we're talking, That's that model's a little bit more of a counter service model, just a right. little bit, but if you want, if you want a dining experience, you're going to have to pay for that dining
1: experience, and... But then the question is, will people pay for that, di- that much for that dining experience when they're used to X, and it becomes X times point two five or 1.25, I'm sorry, times one two five. I mean...
2: I always could be a hotel chef. That's what I'm. You know, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. There are only so no, many of those. Uh, <laughs> and uh, nothing against hotel chefs. You just <laughs> you just have you just have good benefits. Uh, but it's uh, you know I don't know. I mean it's it's a real it's a real problem that the entire you know and it's interesting because I'll put like I I funny I played golf with um I play golf and sometimes I'll be paired with people. And they say, "What do you do?" And I say, "Well, I own restaurants, or I'm, you know, I'm a chef." And uh, they, this last time, they're like, "Well, what about the tip?" And at the end of the day, how much money are we really talking about, right? Like when it comes to, say, say I put twenty percent gratuity automatic on your bill, mm-hmm. even if you were a cheap tipper, how much, how much money are we really talking about at the end of the day? What are we all Fighting about,
1: well, on ten a hundred-dollar bill, you're talking about five bucks, the five bucks, 15 ten bucks, twenty
2: percent. Let's say thirty bucks.
1: Right. Let's say that we're all
2: like when it comes to other <laughs> charges that you get dinged for in life, that is not a huge one. And so for it to be such a hot button subject, I don't. I guess I'm a little confused why it's such a hot button subject for the really small amount of like when you go out to dinner even if you go out to dinner three times a week it
1: yeah it's money absolutely right but it's it's like it's not well, a ton of well, money well that part that that discussion i could never understand when was when someone would put the 20% gratuity and or just uh, make prices 20% higher and having no tip line I just can't understand why people then bitch about that. I think that's fine. I I don't understand. And I'm not why saying that. that, that I, work. And I'm
2: not saying that that's not. I'm not saying. But w- what it does is it gives, it gives that automatic duty gives control of the wages to the to the to the, to the house in the sense that they get to distribute how they will. Um, if you're a terrible person and you're a bad owner, you might keep some of that money for yourself, but if you're a, if you're an honest person, like I consider myself to be as well as other, uh, people in this, in the Portland, they're going to take care of their employees. It's just, you can't, you, you, it's like, the you market have to will fi- dictate. You if have you start to f- not taking
1: care of your employees, Again, then you're not going to get good employees. And uh, then,
2: you know, I always think about like a, uh, I always think about like a comic strip in my head that like when they pass, like, you know, higher minimum wages, they're like, higher minimum wages, you know, we did it. All right, let's go to happy hour. Like, it doesn't work like that. You don't, like, this all costs money. It's all hourly. Like, so it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to figure out because it's also really sensitive. People are really freaked out about it, you know? So including, believe me, including the restaurant folks. You know, it's it's a tough thing.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of people trying to tackle it. Well, you you have attempted one model, which I thought, and I, I I like that experience. By the way, yeah, I really like getting to know a number of people in the restaurant. I always felt like at Super Bite there was one lead server who was mm-hmm. kind of on top of it on, and and guiding would answer questions, and then there were others who'd come out and explain a dish from the kitchen. But we've
2: also gotten feedback that that was confusing,
1: too. Yeah, but I don't. I so, th- I find it kind of refreshing. Yeah. to meet more
2: people again i think a lot of people are are kind of stuck in this old model yeah people are stuck in general but the problem is is that they don't understand people aren't understanding why it has to change even though they understand that people have to get paid more money
1: you can only get x percentage of people can, to go out and vote right, right. so that's <laughs> that's like hey you can make a difference right now today and you can't get right. them to do that so and in saying that, I'm saying you can't communicate. It's hard to communicate to a number of people. For instance, for me, the health—you know—the fact that the healthcare .dot uh, gov site is only open for 45 days now instead of three
2: months—and
1: uh. I don't want to get into politics—but shouldn't all the years of that advertising have seeped in so that the people understand? Hey, it's November. I got to sign up for this. Why is it in- impacting so many people's s- so much and here's a complicated issue you can't go out and run ads on behalf of (laughs) restaurants to say here's why we have to change this model i suppose you possibly could but what good it will do i don't know it doesn't seem to seep in
2: well the the thing is is that the restaurant model i mean this a lot of this push is from the 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 labor unions of the restaurants like of like big big uh you know, uh, corporation, restaurants, slash, uh, casinos, things like that. So they're trying to keep it down. They well, yeah, they want. Of course, they want. You know, they want, they the want minimum no wage. What, they yeah, it, it's it's that middle. It's the it's the small restaurants that are going to be the 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 toughest, and not only that, but they're all independent. Right. So you can't with it, low margins. Well, and That's then also it. you have to be careful. You know, I mean, it's like if you. If you talk to anybody, you have to be careful of, you know, let me see what's going on with Danny Meyer now. He's getting class action lawsuit because he had, you know, they're calling collusion I mean, with the whole restaurant scene. But it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You have to, you're, you're kind of screwed if you do. You're screwed if you don't. You're, you're in the middle and all you're doing is just trying to make good food. And you're just trying to get people to come in and eat your food. And you're just trying to get people to tip your server nicely because we gave you great service, pay for food that you think was worth it. And then at the end of the day, it's also a business so that you, as an owner, you you don't do this for nothing, you right. know, but, you, also, but, but you're not, we're not making, if you know, all of money either. If
1: all you're trying to do is if all, if in your mind, you're thinking, all we want to do is serve great food and enjoy cooking. The percentage of time you get to spend actually doing that, because of all these other issues, is very low, very limited. And so you, you know, some of the—it's easy. I would think at some point for someone to go, "I, this isn't what I had in mind," <laughs> no. and uh, and mm-hmm. so that happens. I'm curious um, because obviously you're a very thoughtful person and you think things through and you're articulate. How much better of a restaurant owner and maybe a chef are you because you are the Dentons? That you are a couple and you can talk about this stuff a lot. You don't have to call a meeting. I assume, you know, there's maybe you have some boundaries at home where you say, we're not discussing this or on weekends. I don't know. But are you all in all the time? Or, and are you that much better because you have two people to talk about things? Because I know two heads are better than one. Yeah. I'm a one man. i one. I could be way better. Yeah. When I, have two. I am really curious about that. What you think?
2: Well, I think that... Without a doubt, one of my biggest joys in life uh, was meeting Gabriella and uh, working with her for as many years as we have, and um, really becoming one person at times. Um, and it's it's hard to describe to a lot of people because. It's people. Some people have no idea how you could work with your wife as much as you know that you live at home. Like, oh, how can you work with your wife? Or it's just not an. It's just it's not hard a problem. enough for
1: people to have a marriage.
2: Yeah. Period. It's just not. I think, and and not that not that life is always easy for us. I mean, sometimes communication can break down. Sometimes it's. Um, You know, you don't copy somebody on an email and you're like, well, you didn't copy me on the email or you didn't, you know, you, there's times where you have to, but at the end of the day, you have to respect the other person. And even if you make a mistake, you have to be willing to apologize if you did make a mistake and, and try to make it better. And so if that's the goal all the time, then usually somewhere in the middle, it, you know, you, you learn to know those person's weeks and strengths in that sense. Um, I would say that for us, I continue to learn every every day in the sense of being together and figuring stuff out. Um, but it was nice because specifically with Bistro Agnes, um, Superbite was always a difficult menu to try to figure out because we always tried to think about, okay, well, who's bringing an idea to the table or who's doing what? Bistro Agnes was like, like our the menu came together really quickly, and I actually have it in my pocket if you want to see it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's not because it's easy, but just because it's like we put together the menu, and the thing was, was, like how do we not put more? I mean, there's just, it's so, you just pull from the roller decks, right, of both of our lives in, in, in what we've done for a really long time. And then, of course, I'd like to just mention also that really... I couldn't be prouder um, in this, at times, very male-dominated field to have gotten the James Beard Award together as a unit rather than individually.
1: And how often does that happen?
2: Uh, This happens a couple times, but it's very rarely does it happen. Um, And we got the food and wine together as well. And there's times where I'm considered the chef and she's considered the partner or the pastry chef or the which is not true, you know, we're, we're team Ramrod, you know, that's just, we're.
1: Is that what you call yourselves? No, it's just from Super
2: <laughs> Troopers. Uh, <laughs> we're, you know, we're just, we're just, we're, we've always been two peas in a pod and we've always, um, uh, had the same interest at heart in the sense of wanting to put out really good food, um, and really true hospitality when it comes to the guests that we serve.
1: Well, I think that's obvious because, as I said, I listened to the last podcast we had with you, and <laughs> they, there's so much thought that had gone into the customer experience. You would expect in this chair a lot, we have chefs talking about that, and we never got into, we have never discussed your childhood in Vermont. I nope. want to hear about that someday. <laughs> someday. <laughs> um, so that's the next one. But <laughs> But you put a lot of thought into the customer experience, and you could see today, it's in relation to... What types of things, you know, your focus group is nightly, right? You, and and it involves paying real attention to what's going on. Obviously, you know what sells and what doesn't, but also hearing nuances of why people might not be ordering something and why they do. But so I think between the you put a lot of thought into that. And
2: um, well, I think the biggest the the one of the toughest one of the to work for Gabby and I. I think the thing that uh, challenges people the most when they work for us is the amount of detail that we think of. And it's, doesn't stop at, you know, parsley on a plate or sauce on a plate or wiping the plate. It's the, the music, how's it sound? How's it feel? Is it good for the, who's in the dining room at the time? Um, to the lights, um, is the light work, you know, cause you can't, you actually have to have brighter light when there's brighter light outside because you need to kind of battle it. But if you have that brighter light as the sun goes down, suddenly you look like you're in a cafeteria. Then you want to match it to the candlelight that is at the table. Um, but you can't go too dark, which we call hand job lighting. Uh, you know, it's, you know, like you can't go too dark until like later in the night. And then that's when you put a little bit of, you know, tribe called quest radio on or something like that, where it's just kind of like that good grooving feeling that you're just kind of finishing your meal and you're just having a great time at the end. It's those things, but it's also the bathrooms, it's the hallways, it's the, it's how the rugs are. It's, it's, it's the dust. It's the, what are people seeing that they're going to say? Oh, well that's not, that's not right. You know? And it's hard to be one of our managers because it's not, it's, it's the balance of, and I, and believe me, we have an amazing management team and they, they, we could not be luckier. And what I'm really happy about with Beast Agnes is at this point in time, we are keeping, I mean, there's nobody who's leaving. We're keeping everybody because we think they're all amazing. And we, th- I think they think we, they like working for us. So... Well, it's, one would
1: think. Yeah, right? even but, though
2: with our demanding kind—not demanding, but our like—you know, what what are you know? I always try to put myself in the shoes of the guest. What are they going to see? What are they going to try to? What are they going to ding us for? That's just
1: not quite right. So that's a that's a good question because oftentimes I am of the mindset that as chef or a restaurant owner, <laughs> I'm caught lots wants to hear. impression i have something that didn't go well or did but usually it's something that could i thought could be better and i'm always feeling like god depending and i've and i've voiced it via email or generally i actually had an experience out in manzanita at the big wave cafe when i ordered fish and chips and chef came by and said so what do you think and i said um You know, I generally like beer batter a little better, but, um, you know, a little heavy for me. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, so this is chef to chef, right? (laughs) And now I'm in the position, is felt very curvy and very Larry Uh David. I'm like, no, I'm just a diner, but okay, fine. And I felt like his message to me was, I'm not interested in your opinion. I'm a chef. And sometimes I find I get receptive, that people are receptive to... Any suggestions or comments? Because as you said, you're really interested in the customer experience. Well, I don't mind giving feedback sometimes and, I li- and, and I've gotten to the point where I think sometimes, all right, that's not worth it. And I do that a lot. Just well, move on.
2: What do you, what's your? Well, it's a bit of a roller, mo- a roller coaster of emotion when it comes to a chef because most chefs are very much like we didn't do anything wrong right off the bat and it's definitely your fault. In a certain respect, yes, because um, you know better. Because we know better at sometimes, right. and um, I guess it depends on the critique. Always, like if it's you don't understand what my vision is or whatever, then it's like it's it's taken maybe a little bit more negative fr- on our side of things. Like, jeez, mm-hmm. what a what a what a jerk! But that being said, if there's a problem with a dish, uh, whether it, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, it's so much better to know about it than to have to read the email or I don't read Yelp, but to read a,
1: to read a Yelp review or to read something else that Portland Portland monthly review, that's where you don't want to see that.
2: Yeah. You don't want to see it in those things. You just, you just want people to, you want people to tell you right away so that you can actually do something about it, you know? And so that would be. Uh, it's kind of, but then if the, someone sends something back that's wrong, like too seasoned or whatever, then it's like, oh my god, I feel so horrible, and now I'm going to have to. Whoever did this dish is going to get a bit of.
1: Okay, well I'm just get, sometimes it's unsolicited, right? But here's someone who came to me and said, "How is it?" They're opening the door for what's your opinion. Then, yeah. then you should listen to. You know, I I, I just get confused sometimes, and certainly I've. That's how I got to know Kurt, by the yeah. way, Huffman. That's how we became friendly, As I wrote him a, a scathing email about Foster Burger a long time, eight <laughs> years ago, seven years ago. And, and he listened and cared, and I think that's the right thing.
2: Kurt is a very special person. He, uh, he's, he has the ability to, um, not take things personally at all and look at it objectively. And that is one of the reasons why we still continue today to be not just partners, but pretty solid, pretty solid friends because he, you know, and that goes with me. Cause I will lose my shit on something or him or something that's going on. And he usually is the, that, that calm water in the storm for the most part. Um, I've and, noticed
1: that in a few, he's, we've had him on the podcast. He's and that he's, he's
2: just, he's just a really great guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy to talk to. He's a great guy to, um give you that perspective that maybe you wouldn't have.
1: Um how much input and by the way, we're talking about Kurt Huffman. We just yeah. mentioned his first name. Uh Chef's Table, which you your restaurants are part of, yep. that group. Um how much input has he had on Bistro Agnes?
2: Mm, very little. Just just um total support. So that's where you are in your relationship. Yeah. He's, oh, I mean, and if he if he had a believe me, he, you know. He'll he was some. he was excited about Superbite, but he 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 from the get go he knew that it'd be like okay, there's a few things that are gonna have to really work for it to work, and um and you know we've we modified based on some of his you know some of the things that he recommended you know, and so he's got uh, French restaurant experience too. Oh, so. absolutely, so, absolutely. We'll yeah, internet. no, he was he's he's great, and and so yeah, his, he's he's been super supportive and he loves the idea of a classic Parisian style French bistro to go downtown. He just, he thinks it's a great idea in the sense of something that we think, you know, kind of brings that, that old school Portland back, you know, like we, we just, we like the, we, you know, I think we're all kind of in the area where we kind of think about the past because we're getting this weird time right now and those member berries that we all love and like what made us happy. And, you know, when I, when I got here in 2008, there was, you know, there was some really good French bistros here that were doing really good stuff. And they've kind of, they're just not, they're just not here. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the French restaurants that are here, the French, like, you know, Little Burger St. Jack,
1: but it's definitely... Le different over um, or, yeah yeah that was nice that was nice. so quickly since yeah. we're out of time of course can you reel off you said you had the menu there just reel off a few dishes that people will be able to look forward to at at bistro agnes yeah i think i can if i can get it out of my pocket but, i
2: i just well french onion soup of course okay good is it um, going to be
1: traditional or are you putting some a uh, spin on it no traditional good
2: absolutely traditional um like um uh, black pepper goujere, chicken liver mousse, uh, plum compote, escargot with button mushrooms, herb garlic butter. Um, frog's legs? No frog's legs yet. Um, uh, we do, like, for kind of crazy, not crazy stuff, but a little bit more adventurous, like fried head, fried pig's head uh, croquette with sauce um, uh salad lyonnaise, uh, sole meniere, mussels, uh, um filet mignon, poivre, short rib, bourguignon, and then desserts. You know would be malted chocolate mousse, profiteroles, uh, vanilla bean rice pudding, um, creme brulee. You know like the things that you just wanna. You know one of our inspirations. Yeah, you know, in Napa Valley. You know obviously Bouchon, but and Gabe Rutgers talked about this too. Uh, one of his is uh, Bistro Jean T. Um, Gabby and I fell in love in Napa Valley over long lazy lunches on our days off at Bistro T. going from lunch to dinner.
1: So how much better are your experiences at restaurants because you're with Gabby, as oh. opposed to going by yourself? <laughs> usually much better. Yeah. When I'm by myself, I usually you're...
2: keep it pretty, pretty casual, like in the sense of like, I'm just, I'm just eating to, I'm, I don't usually dine around by myself.
1: Right. But it's pretty cool that you have two people who are in love and love food and know yeah. it. That's got to be... Those have to be wonderful experiences. It's amazing.
2: It's amazing. We, I'm, I'm the luckiest man in the world.
1: Good. Well, we're not going to search out a luckier one. <laughs> so, but thanks. This was a nice experience. Thank you. Thank you for well. having me again. I yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on and good luck. Thank you.
0: Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Unsurpassed Quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam and Lake Oswego. Local and family owned for over 40 years, Zupan's Markets. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.